0: Well, I want to I want to jump in. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. And what I want to do today, Pastor Dell kind of started something last week. If you were here, he started in Mark chapter 4 and he talked about the parable of the sower. And in a kind of a ironic way, I think God planted a seed probably in a lot of your minds, but in my mind too, and I've been thinking about this, and I want to kind of take it a little further today uh, with this idea of seed. And so just turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to continue on in what Jesus was teaching uh, in that text. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. Have you, ever, uh, have you ever encountered a product that did not produce what it promised? Oh, wow, we got immediate groans at the Valley Campus. I think this one's going to work. Sometimes you throw an illustration out there, and you're like, "Well, that missed. You know what I'm talking about, about, you know what, getting a product or an item or something that was promised to you to be something, and it turned out to be far from what was promised. I remember, I was trying to think of my first encounter with this, I remember when I was a kid, like back in the late 80s, early 90s, cereal boxes used to do this thing where they would put a prize in the cereal box. Anybody remember? And and the prize always looked so amazing on the box, like it was going to be the best prize. And then like, you know, four or five times of falling for that as a kid, I started to realize that prize is not a prize. And I want the gross cereal. I want the, the bad cereal. I don't want. I don't care Raisin Bran. I don't care what you're promising me. I want cinnamon toast crunch, and that's the story. We've all experienced that though. That letdown. That kind of disappointment of well, I was expecting this, and I really got this. And you know, I was expecting a Stanley Cup, but I'm a Maple Leafs fan, so what I got was this. And you know, <laughs> you know, you, we all know that feeling of our expectations. You know, what the product didn't meet the promise. That they didn't deliver. And many of us have experienced that where, you know what, we were we promised one thing and the product didn't produce what it had promised us. And, and today I want to talk about a feeling that a lot of us have as Christians. And I'm, we're just going to be real. We're going to be really brutally honest for a minute. Because I think if you've been around the church at all, you've been around the Christian faith at all for any period of time... You've probably had the cereal box feeling before where you came to church and you heard us singing songs and you heard scriptures read, scriptures like Psalm 1 that says, everything he does, he prospers. And you hear the great promises of God. Like you can't look at this book and read this book without concluding one thing. Like you can't take the words on the page seriously without concluding this, that God is a God of life, He's a God of blessing and abundance and he wants his kids and his followers to experience the abundance and vitality of him. And from beginning to end of this book, you actually find promise after promise of fulfillment, of fruitfulness, of joy, of peace, of life, of all the things that you and I try to purchase with money and relationships. God actually promises it to us free of charge. He paid the price and he wants to give it to you. That's incredible. I mean, Genesis chapter one and two, it talks about how God created everything and God God created by his word. And the Bible says that he, he created plants and animals. And then it says on the sixth day, he created human beings. And it said that he created human beings in his image. And then he spoke to the human beings and he gave them a destiny and a mandate. You know what he said? He said, be fruitful and multiply. That's not just an invitation to have sex, although it is which is fantastic within, within the confines of marriage. That's also God's design. But it's an invitation, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's speaking to God's heart for humanity and heart for creation, and that is this, that God started it, and it, he started it with the capacity to expand and multiply and increase. And so when you read the scriptures, you, you can't take it seriously without hearing the promise that God wants to bless and multiply and grow. He, he promises fruitfulness. Be fruitful and multiply, day one. And then you read, okay, Genesis chapter three, you read about the fall and where sin came from and how sin is corrupted and destroyed everything. But if you read the rest of the whole Old Testament, what is it? You hear God trying to bring humanity and creation where? Back into the alignment that produces what? fruitfulness, God's heart. I mean, you see it in Genesis chapter 13. God calls Abraham. I know I'm giving some people some Bible study, but you gotta see this thread. He calls Abraham. What did he say to Abraham? He says, I am going to bless you, because that's God's heart, and I'm gonna bless the world through you. I've got a plan. I'm going to bless everything through you, Abraham. And so you read that. You read through the rest of the book of Genesis into Abraham and then into his son Isaac and then into his son Jacob, this this destiny that God has put before humanity to be fruitful and multiply and flourish and to experience prosperity. And God does prosper Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then you can roll it into the story of Exodus and you find Again, you find the things going sideways and going wrong, and you find the Israelites are in captivity. But what do you find? God raises up Moses, leads them into freedom. Because why? Because God's heart for us is not captivity. His heart for you is freedom. His heart for you is not slavery. His heart for you is freedom. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's that's what God wants for you. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to experience life and life to the full. And he promises to Moses, he says, I'm going to lead you into a land of milk and honey. I'm going to lead you into a fruitful place, a place where grapes are enormous and things grow right and cattle survive. I'm going to lead you to a great place. And then you read through the story of the the kings and judges and you find things again kind of struggling along. But all along the way, God raises up somebody else. He raises up David and he says to David, I'm going to make you an everlasting covenant. I'm going to make you a kingdom without end increase forever and ever. And then you roll things into the prophets. You ever read the prophets? You should. They're a little weird, but there's some cool stuff in it. You read the prophets and there's God speaking through these people and he speaks through Jeremiah and he says, hey, listen, here's my heart for you. I want to prosper you. I don't want to harm you. I have a hope and a future for you, he says in Jeremiah. He says in Isaiah. Isaiah declares, he says, uh, in, in Isaiah, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim what? Good news. Freedom to the captive. God's heart for us, if you read the Old Testament, is joy. And then guess what happens when you get into the New Testament? You get Jesus. Joy is delivered, and the promise is in, like, overdrive. You hear Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He, the Bible tells us that first, before he started his ministry, he goes to a, uh, to a synagogue, and he opens up the scriptures to Isaiah, the scripture I just read. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me and I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the captive. I am here for your life. And then the Bible says he went out on the mountainside and the, and the gospels record the sermon on the Mount. Many of you might have heard of it. Jesus opens his sermon. The, the opening of a sermon is important, by the way. Usually that's gonna kind of contextualize what you wanna talk about, what's what I'm doing right now. Jesus gets up and to start his sermon, you know what he says? You know what the first word out of his mouth in the first sermon ever was? blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are all the people who are missing out on blessing. Jesus comes and declares, I'm here for your blessing. John 10:10. he comes again. I could go all day with this. He comes in John 10:10. he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. The Greek there is the word zoe, which means like abundant, overflowing. You could call it fruitfulness. You could call it flourishing. Over and over and over in the scriptures, if you start to read it, you, 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 if, if you just came in fresh and you'd never heard this before and you could just sit down today and read it cover to cover, your, your interpretation would be, God wants to bless me. God loves me and he wants to bless me and it's unto his glory that he does. That's what you would conclude and you read, you read the letters in the New Testament. Do I need to keep going? You, like, like it promises the fruit of knowing Jesus. Look at what Galatians chapter five says. Is this is the promise that if you know Jesus, here's what's gonna flourish out of your life. This is the byproduct of knowing Jesus. The fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy. How, many, how much money do we spend trying to find those two things? Love, joy, it's peace. How much money do we spend trying to find that? It's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all the stuff you can't buy off a shelf. And yet God says, I want to give that to you for free through my son by the spirit. And over and over until you get to the end of the book, we're going, we're going through the whole Bible today. Someone's going to go home today and say, I read the whole Bible. (laughs) Revelation 21 and 22, what's it say? God does away entirely with sin and death and decay and that he creates and reestablishes a new heaven and a new earth and that God's people dwell with him in ever-increasing fulfillment and flourishing forever and ever and ever and ever. That's the Bible. If anybody ever tells you, like I, I read some comments this, this week online, people, people talking about the Bible like they've read it, saying the Bible is just something that people made to control people. Have you read the Bible? The Bible has nothing to do with control. It's all about freedom. It's all about being set free and being, being promised life and life to the full. And so here, now that I've established that promise and we've looked at the promise on the box, I feel like for a lot of us, though, like, when we get into this thing and we start to dig in and we're hoping to pull out the prize of blessing and fulfillment and joy that the Bible seems to promise, I think a lot of us, we feel like, really, that's it? And I'll say it, let the preacher say it. Like I've felt that before. And I suspect you have too, where you get into this faith journey and you start to be a believer in Jesus and you hear the promises and you start to think, okay, the product doesn't quite match up to the promise. At least in my life. Like I haven't quite experienced all that Jesus is promising, like that abundant, overflowing life, that fruitfulness and multiplication, like, like last week when he talked about the parable of the sower and how the seed reaches the soil and the soil is my heart and the seed is God's word and God's truth and Jesus and how when it reaches my heart, it produces a crop, a harvest, it yields fruit 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Where's my hundredfold? Has anybody ever felt that? That the product isn't quite living up to the promise. Here's my question today as we kind of look again at Mark chapter 4, because Jesus speaks to this. It's almost like he knew what we'd be thinking. Here's my question. What does it take for us to experience all that Jesus has promised us? Like, what does it take for us to experience that kingdom harvest, the heavenly harvest, the heavenly fruitfulness and flourishing in our lives? Because that's why you're here, isn't it? Like, you didn't come to church to make your life worse, did you? Like, nobody does. We came to church what? Looking for more. Looking for something to make my life matter. Something to bring me joy. Something to bring me freedom and direction. That's why we're here. And so my question is, how do we access what Jesus is promising, because I refuse to believe that Jesus can lie. And I refuse to believe that there's one single word in this book that isn't unequivocally true. And I refuse to believe that this book sets my standard. So when I read in the book of Acts how God was blessing those people, then I say that's my standard for my life, not my experience. When I read throughout the promises, promise after promise of what God has for me, I will not, and I refuse to believe anything less than what this book says. But what happens to a lot of us is, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And for a lot of us, I think we get struggling with it. So we'll try to qualify it. We'll try to almost help Jesus, right? Like, well, maybe Jesus didn't really mean that. Maybe it was like in context and it was hyperbole. Like when he said that you will do even greater things, like maybe he's just trying to encourage the disciples because they were like, you know, emotionally inept and he was trying to like give them a little boost. Like maybe that's what... You might not have that dialogue, but have you ever felt yourself trying to help Jesus. Like Jesus made a promise that he shouldn't have made and clearly can't deliver on, so you're trying to like massage it a little bit. Like, has is any, is anybody ever? I'm I'm being really honest right now, and some of you are like, I thought you had more faith in this. I, I do. Wait for it. But I just want to let you know that that that, that gap, that gap in your experience between what Jesus promises and what you are experiencing, is a normal thing. A lot of people. Never fully experience all that God has for us. And I believe that there's more God has for me as well. And he wants me to access it. And so that's my question. How do I access what God has for me in this life? I refuse to believe I've arrived. I refuse to believe this is it. I refuse to believe that God has run out of supply for me. I refuse to believe that there's one promise that Jesus made that he cannot and is not fully delivering on. So the problem's not on God's end. What do I have to do? Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, I want to pick up, if you have a Bible, let's just keep this open. Jesus is so brilliant. Uh, Sometimes you don't think about Jesus as brilliant, do you? You should. He's the smartest man who's ever lived. That really wrecked me one time when I really started to think about Jesus as smart But Jesus is the most intelligent person that's ever existed because he is truth. He knows all truth. And he's teaching his disciples what it means, like what the kingdom of God in heaven in our day-to-day lives, how it takes shape and what it looks like. And he's trying to give them pictures to help them understand what to look for because explaining heavenly things isn't that simple. It's it's like trying to explain uh, another country in another language, correct? And so Jesus is using stuff to help us try to perceive something we have never perceived before, and so he does that through something called parables. A parable from the Greek actually means to like lay alongside, it's to present one story to give truth to another story to help us understand. And so last week he started with this idea, okay, understand the kingdom like this. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a farmer who is sowing seed. And he talked about how the farmer is God and God is the one who sows seed. And he sowed the ultimate seed in Christ Jesus. God's seed, heavenly seed is that which brings actual ultimate life And the Bible talks, or Jesus talked about how our hearts have to be in the right posture. We have to receive what God has for us, a free gift of God's grace that we receive the seed. And so part of this kingdom life is that we would receive it. And Pastor Del did such an incredible job last week talking about just being postured and positioned to receive what God has for us. Part of it is about reception, but Jesus takes it beyond that. It's not just about receiving in faith, but there is actual activation associated with living in the reality of the kingdom. That there's actually stuff that you and I have to do. It's it's not that we earn the seed. It's not that you can work off the seed. It's not that you can can do anything to deserve the seed. But what you do with the free gift that is the seed, that's what actually can make or break your experience in this life. And Jesus speaks to it in Mark chapter 4. Look what he says. Let's read it together. So he follows up the one about God scattering the seed. Are you all tracking? Are you with me? East, west? And then look what Jesus said. He tells another story. He talks about uh, the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed. He talks about it being like a lamp. Uh, and then again, he goes back to this kind of agriculture vernacular. And he says, "And he said, the kingdom of God, it's, it's as if a man, picture that, circle that, a man or a woman. It's as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then full of grain of the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now let's just pause there because Jesus paints another picture. And he shifts the language. Again, he's using this idea of seed and soil and things growing that weren't there before and life coming out of nothing. But he shifts the the, the kind of the camera turns from what God does to what we do. Notice he says it's like a man. And he's actually putting the onus on us about this idea of, of, of scattering seed. What Jesus wants us to get here, first and foremost, is this idea that this man was intentional. Now, I love that, that, that thing that Jesus says. A man sowed seed on the ground he, and it grows, but he, does, he knows not how. Now, don't be confused that he does, that with, not that he doesn't know how it works. Like, don't be confused that he, like, I mean, how do I say that? Just because I don't know how something works does not mean I don't know that something works. Does that make sense? I can't explain to you how my iPhone works, but I can work it. Uh, I can't explain to you how right now my voice is going into a microphone beside my face and it's going through 22,000 watts of power and it's coming out speakers and it's traveling over cameras uh, into east and into west and coming out of speakers into your ears. I have no idea how that's actually working. I just know that it's working and I know that it's gonna work. And Jesus paints this picture of this man who understood enough about how seed works that he was actually beginning to appropriate it in his life. He doesn't know like how it's germinating. He doesn't know like, like how the earth is doing what it does and how God does. There's, there's, there's mystery associated with it. But what there is no mystery is this, that a man took some seed and sowed it. And then he tended to it and it grew a harvest. And Jesus isn't showing a guy who is confused about something. That's, that's what I was trying to say. He wasn't confused by what was happening, even though he doesn't understand exactly how it happened. He knew full well what was happening that if I sow this seed and I tend to the soil and I water it and it gets daylight, in its season, it's going to produce. He understood this principle of production. He understood this man. Jesus is painting a picture of a man who understood that I have to be intentional. That as as a farmer, if I'm going to produce a crop, it's going to be because I sowed the seed. I know the seed does things I can't explain. But what I can explain is that unless I sow the seed, unless I cover it up, unless I put water on it, unless the sunlight hits it, nothing's going to happen. The seed's just going to stay in the storehouse. That this seed holds the power of life, but unless I activate it and appropriate it, it's not going to do anything. And so Jesus pushes this, this kind of new picture for us, this new parable, showing our involvement with sowing seeds of the kingdom that produce life and flourishing in our lives. That's what this picture is he's trying to show you. If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down because, because here's, here's how you're gonna see kingdom flourishing in your life. If you're going to see prosperity, like biblical prosperity, does that mean you're gonna drive a Maserati? That's where things have kind of gotten off, off course a little bit. God, what we call valuable and what the world, like what God calls valuable sometimes aren't the same thing. God really knows what riches are. And he is promising prosperity. And so if, if you're going to see prosperity in your life, like kingdom prosperity, first and foremost, you need to know seed. You have to know seed. You, you have to have faith in understanding. That, that, that like this farmer, like this man who sowed seed, he understood that if I do this, it will produce this. So if I utilize this this way, it will accomplish this. And, and if I don't, it will accomplish Nothing, and here's the takeaway for us. If you are going to experience kingdom fruitfulness, if you're gonna see prosperity and, and the, the promises of God start to pop up in your life and, and reap a harvest, you have to understand how to cultivate it. And you have to know how seed even works. There's something you need to just grasp though today, and that is this, that you are involved in kingdom fruitfulness. This isn't something. And you know what the enemy wants to do with us? He wants to deactivate us. He wants us to sit aside and wonder where the promises of God are. But Jesus is saying, I have given you infinite, eternal kingdom seed. You got to sow it. And that's what he's talking about here. And, And so the mistake a lot of us make is this. that Okay, I believe in Jesus. Mission accomplished. Nope, you just started. Right? Like I raised my hand last week and I prayed a prayer. That's awesome. We believed you were born again. But now, now you actually have to start to learn how to walk and grow and cultivate a life. And that's where you're going to experience the blessing of God. If you're ever going to begin to experience abundant, fruitful life, the fruitful life God has for you, you have to understand that it's going to happen when I learn to work my faith. And, and you have to understand how seed works. This man in the parable understood how seed works. Works. He knew that, that if I do it this way, it's going to produce this crop. And just for a minute, can, can I teach today for a second? Are we tracking east, west? You have to understand, like right from the beginning, the Bible shows principles of multiplication. And actually, biology backs this up. Look at Genesis chapter one, real quick. Let's dive into your Bible and see if we can see how seed works. Genesis 1 says in verse 11 God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation. Plants yielding seed and fruit, trees bearing fruit in which there is their seed according to its kind. Each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. When God says something, it will be so. Can I get an amen? The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds. The trees bearing fruit in which their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was what? It was good. yeah, God made things good. don't don't ever t- let anyone tell you otherwise. So you got to understand something about seed and it says it right here in Genesis. And you know what, Biology backs it up. First and foremost seed requires a planting there's a there's a yielding there's a, a a farmer has got to actually place a seed in the ground it's got to you've got to sow it and that's a picture spiritually of releasing something of sacrifice of letting go of placing your trust and putting your investment in something this is what Jesus meant when he's speaking of himself unless a seed goes in the ground and dies it will not yield a, yield a fruit he's speaking about himself in resurrection but you find that in in the you know what, that like seeds can actually lay dormant for like, I think that there's the oldest seed on earth is like 2,000 years old and they planted it and then it actually grew a, a, a fig a fig plant. Seeds are, are dormant, they're dead until they go into the ground and then resurrection happens and this is a picture. There's so much I want to do that I can't. But you got to understand this. A seed, first and foremost, is a is a... A vessel of exponential multiplication. How about, how about a syllable? It is a vessel of exponential multiplication. What do I mean by that? A seed always makes more. And it's not one for one. If you plant an apple seed, an apple does not pop out, correct? If you plant an apple seed, what happens? It grows a tree, which produces what? What? Many apples, and then get this within the apple, what is there? Seeds, and the seed then can produce what more trees, which produce even more apples. And that's a principle you find in the Bible from day one is that when God, when we talk about God's seed, it's not a one for one thing, one seed produces a whole forest. And the same goes in the kingdom. God's kingdom is a kingdom of eternal increase. So if, if God's seed goes into the ground, it's not just produce, reproducing itself one time, it's exponentially multiplying itself. That's good news. So that means if you sow seed in faith, and I'll tell you what that looks like in a minute, but if you sow seed in faith, you don't expect a one for one. This is what Jesus is talking about. You yield a crop, what? 30, 60, 100 times. That's awesome. So seed is, is reproductive, it, it, it multiplies, and it reproduces itself. Look back at the scripture. It says in verse 11, the plants yielding seed, and the fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed? so it's talking about exponential multiplication, then look what happens. It also puts this detail, and this is huge for us today. Each according to its kind. Seed can only reproduce what it is. Seed cannot become something that it is not. Uh, An apple seed will produce what? Apple tree. Uh, A banana seed. I don't know if there's banana seeds, but a seed can only produce what it is. You you, you can't plant a cucumber seed and expect to get tomatoes. Any gardeners? I'm not going to get Dell back up here. A seed will only produce what it is. That's important. It, we, we see that in the plant kingdom. We see it in the animal kingdom. We talk about, about seed. We, like, we, we, talk, we see like a, a lion can only reproduce a lion, right? A lion's not gonna give birth to an elephant, right? It's it, A lion carries seed. A male lion carries seed. Let's go there. And that seed produces what? More lions. It doesn't produce... And then if that lion mates with a tiger, you get a liger, the fiercest of animals, right? But a lion can only reproduce what it is. Seed reproduces itself. We we see this in in, in human human nature, don't we? Like like you can tell, I think I have a picture of my family. Can we put my picture of my family up? Look at the attitude on that that little one, man. He's like, what? What? Get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't want my picture taken but you can tell that's my kid right like you can tell my wife and i have a brand there it is right like like if if you're if you are able to 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 have children you're going to produce a child according to its kind my kids are going to be white and likely blonde for a while right like that's that's how it works that's how reproduction works that's how seed works it produces according to its kind it, if 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 my wife gave birth to a, a, chi- a black child, I'd have some questions. Right? I'm all for adoption. When she gave birth to a black child, I would have to conclude I'm not the dad. Right? And we go and you understand how Seabrook, C- funny story actually. I remember, uh, no, that was a bad segue. Uh, I remember one time I was at prayer night. Haha, I got you. I was at prayer night. And uh, I was sitting next to my buddy uh, Tolu Alugo, who's from Nigeria, and he looks like he's from Nigeria. He's black, and his family's black. They're from Nigeria. And his son David was sitting in between us, and David was bored at prayer night. And Pastor Dan was teaching. Not that Dan was boring, but David's a kid, and he was bored like you do. And so I gave him my iPad, and I said, Hey, buddy, why don't you, you, can, you can color on my iPad? And he, and he drew a picture of a man, like, like a kid, and, and colored him brown. And so I, I, I elbowed him and I go, Is that me? And, He looks at me like, fool, come on, man. (laughs) No, it's not you. Don't ask stupid questions in church, right? Like we know that a seed can only produce according to its kind. Why is that important? Here it is. Because what you sow is what you reap, period, period. You can't sow something and expect a different product to be produced. And this is what the Bible says, Galatians 6. Look at this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows in his flesh will reap from the flesh, will reap corruption. But the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What's he saying? He's saying what you sow is what you grow. What you sow is what you grow. What you invest, like how you sow your life and how you invest your life and what you invest it in. If you invest it in, uh, you know, the flesh he's talking about, like if you, destructive things. Like think about this. Jesus one time said, judge not lest ye be judged. That was not a threat. That was a fact. It wasn't threatening you. He's saying, what happens if you walk around judging everybody? You might not know this, but behind your back, everybody's judging you. What happens? Judgment reaps judgment. Discontentment reaps reaps discontentment. Dishonesty reaps dishonesty. Disillusionment reaps disillusionment. Uh, Dishonor reaps dishonor. Lack of commitment reaps lack of commitment. Lack of honesty, the list goes on. What you sow, you will reap. What you sow is what you will grow. And so, this parable Jesus is talking about here, he's saying you have to understand how things work. You have to take responsibility for the crop of your own life. And here's the hard truth today. That what you are experiencing right now is the byproduct of what you have already been sowing. And I'm not saying that the bad things that happen to you are your fault. Don't hear me. I'm saying the amount of vitality and joy. You're thinking circumstantial. I'm talking about soul. The amount of joy, satisfaction, peace, life, vitality, prosperity that you experience right now is a direct byproduct of what you have been sowing in the spirit. That's what Jesus is getting at. You will reap what you sow. And so Jesus, get this, and I'm gonna show you really quick what, what to do with this. Jesus invites us. This, is, this can be either a great threat or a great treat. This, this can be a great obligation or a great opportunity. Jesus invites us, get this, to sow the kingdom. That you actually have a choice in your life to sow good, life-giving seed that will produce a crop of joy. You can actually choose to do that. You, You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be deactivated and passive. Jesus is actually inviting you saying, I have given you eternal, infinite seed and now you need to sow it in faith and watch The kingdom come to life in your life. You get to sow the kingdom. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Some of you aren't experiencing a whole lot of life in God because you're not sowing a whole lot of faith. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, this is an obligation. This is an opportunity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace, say what? Say it, abound. That sounds like what? Flourishing. Sounds like fruitfulness. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, wow, you may say it, abound. That's fruitfulness. That's flourishing in every good work. How did this start? Someone who sowed generously. Generously. As it is written, he is freely distributed. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Who's the poor? All of us. Jesus is the seed. He, God has given us infinite seed in Jesus. He supplies seed to the sower. You get that? That's huge. That means that he's already given you the capacity to sow in faith. That's not something you gotta wait on. Well, if I had this, then I'd do this. No, he's saying, I've given you the means to actually live the life of faith. You with me? Is this too, is this too abstract are you getting this? Look what it says. He's distributed freely given. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies, there it is. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What's righteousness? Don't mistake that. He's not just talking about like holiness, that you'll be a better person. Righteousness is that, it's it's picture um, no lack. Things that are, things that are right. What does lack make you feel? Uh, If you lack justice, that's not right, correct? If you lack money, that's not right. If you lack capacity, it's not right. So righteousness is not the opposite of lack in this case. He says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So you've got to understand seed. Number two, I I, I knew I wouldn't get through all this. Number two, you need to sow seed. So first you need to know seed. Now, Now we're rolling into this. You have to sow seed. You actually have to activate your faith. So this looks like sacri- sacrifice. So, so let me just write this down because I know we're talking about sowing and seed and what does that look like tangibly, practically. When you leave here, what does it look like to sow the kingdom? Let's ask this question. Sow what? Can you read my writing? So... First and foremost, there are two things primarily that you can sow, what it looks like to sow in faith. Uh, seed is essentially the substance of your faith. It's that tangibility. Uh, Hebrews says that faith is the substance of things unseen. It's, it's, it's substantive. You have no faith if you can't point to it. That's not faith, it's belief. So faith, seed, is substantive. So what is the substance of your faith? What is the seed? Well, first thing you can sow are your works. We can sow our works. What I mean by that, there there are there are three kind of primary ways you can do that. Uh, you can do you can sow your time, your talent, your treasure. This is your resource. This is, this is what God has put in your hand. God doesn't ask you to give him something you don't have. He asks you to appropriate what he's given you unto him so that he can do what he does and multiply it unto you. So this basically, when you sow your works, what, what is it talking about? It's talking about uh, utilizing what God has put in your hand. So when we talk about time, how many of you could use more time? Anybody ever feel like there's not enough time in the week? What does it look like to sow your time in faith? Here, here's what it looks like. It looks like sacrificing the best parts of your time in faith to God so that he will multiply the rest parts of your time. So in the morning, when I'm tired and I got lots to do, what's the sacrifice, what's sowing seed look like? It looks like me saying, I know I've got things I've got to do, but what I'm gonna do when I, first, when I first start my day is I'm going to go before God, and I'm going to say, God, you get my day. Let me live this day for you. God, I'm giving you this time so that you can can multiply the rest of it. That's sowing seed of time. Uh, That's why we come to church every weekend. You don't come to church just to get filled up. You know that, right? You come to church because it's a sacrifice. Like, even in the summer. Oh, here comes the summer guilt trip. Yeah. (laughs) Even in the summer. Like, you don't have to come here. Just go to church. Go to church. If you're at the camp, find some podunk church out in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't matter what the preacher gives you. It's more about you sowing the seed of time. Do you understand that? It's about you saying, God, I give you the first of my week, and I'll sit through that preacher. I'll do it for you. Some of you say that for me every week. That's okay. That's all right. You're sowing your time. That's, a, that's why at the start of the year this year we did a fast. Why? We're sowing our time. You know that this has been a bountiful year, more so than usual. Why? Because we sowed our time for 40 days at the start of the year. Three weeks, sorry, 21 days. Maybe we'll do 40 next year. Maybe that was a Freudian uh, spiritual slip. Time, Your talent. What's that mean? That's like your resource, your ability. Uh, We talk about talents, what your capacity is. Uh, The Bible says, whatever you do, do it under the glory of God. Your treasure, your money. Listen, how many of you wish your money would go a little farther? Wow, you all are not giving enough. (laughs) Nobody, east, west, nobody raised their hand. Nobody in the whole room. They're like, no, I got tons of money, dude. I'm good. (laughs) No, we wish our money could go further, right? Right. So what does it look like to sow your treasure? It looks like in spite of the bills, in spite of the things I want to do, it looks like sliding the first slice to God. That's what the tithe is. God gets my firsts. That's why my wife and I, every pay, we slice out 10% and say, God, I'm giving you the 10% in faith so that you'll breathe on the 90 and make it go farther than it could as 100 some of you, I wanna challenge you. I'll unashamedly challenge you. You are missing out if you're not tithing. I'm not trying to hang that over your life. I'm saying you are missing out on a blessing God wants to give you because you're too scared to sow in faith. Ooh, got quiet. And then, so your treasure. So, so that's what you sow as far as your works. Now, let me, let me take this one step farther. You don't just sow your works. Some of you are like, dude, he's not talking about tithing anymore. You sow your words. We're having fun in church, right? You sow your words. This, I, I probably should preach on this an entire message. But if you, read, if you read your Bible, again, like, how did God create? Through his word. Uh, and then the Old Testament prophets talk about how God is going to, he talks about, like, I'm going to put my word in your mouth, it says in Isaiah and I'm going to send my word unto you. He's talk, talking about, and then John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and we beheld his glory. God's word came down in the person of Jesus. And then the Bible says that Jesus, the word, indwells in our heart by the Spirit. And then if you read in Acts chapter 1, you, you, Jesus says, don't do anything until the Spirit comes upon you. And then in Acts chapter 2, what do you see? You see the Christians in the upper room, Pentecost, we celebrated it last week, what happens? The Bible says that, the, that tongues of fire rested upon them as a sign that the word does not just like work around them, but the word indwells them and actually goes through them. And now the people of God have the capacity, get this, this is crazy. God has given you, because you've been created in his image, because Jesus has bought you with a price and called you his own, and you actually stand in all of the rights and privileges of sonship and daughtership of God, get this, God has given you the freedom to speak his words. Why is that significant? Because when God's word is spoken, it yields life where there was no life, freedom where there was captivity, knocks over walls, breaks chains, it it moves foundations, it produces. So get this, a lot of us are missing out on a harvest in our lives because we won't open our mouths and speak the word of God. I have been so challenged on this lately that, that God wants me just in everything, just to be speaking God's word. Just proclaiming who I am. To, to, be, to be utilizing the word of God in my life. Like just in how I speak. Like in my, let, let me break this down. It, it, so it looks like uh, what I'm saying. Speaking. Is that right? It's, it, yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a nerve wracking thing to write in front of people. Because I can spell these words, but you lose all confidence. It looks like uh, Prayer. And interceding, what's that? It's it's hearing God and speaking back to God. Uh, It also looks like, get this, declaring and decreeing. This is what it means to speak the word of God. The the Bible has one word for it. Let Let me write this. Prophesy. You thought that was just for the, for the weird people up front. No, 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 no. That's for every believer. And that's a gift God gave you. He said, like, like when, when Jesus, or sorry, when the story of Ezekiel standing in front of this valley, this hopeless valley of despair, and, and God asked him, there's this cool dialogue in Ezekiel 37, do you believe these bones can live? And Ezekiel says, I don't know, only you know. He knows not how, right? Like a similar. And then God says, Speak to the bones. Wait, you want me to do it? Yeah. Prophesy, speak my word to the bones. And then he prophesied and the bones come. What is prophecy? It is speaking the word of the Lord. And the Bible says that is your birthright as a believer. So instead of maybe running and hiding the next time the the devil starts messing up your day, why why don't you use the weapon God has given you and speak the word of God? Maybe the next time that you don't have enough money to pay all the bills, you start declaring, God, I believe you have given me more than enough and so I speak provision in Jesus' name. Have you, ever, have you ever stepped behind a car that had a lot of power and you're like, I'm not comfortable with this much power? Anybody ever like, that's a bad illustration. You ever like been behind something that you're like, this is a lot of power. I'm not, I, I am not trustworthy with this. Anybody? I think for a lot of us, when it comes to like the promises of what the Bible is really saying, a lot of us are like, there's no way God has given me the keys to the Ferrari. He did. He says, speak my word. Like, like the, the enemy is winning because we are muzzled. God wants us to be, this is why churches are shrinking. Did you know that? Because the Spirit's not speaking. Some dude's giving thoughts and we're singing songs, but, but you know that God has given prophecy to edify the body. What's that mean? It means to fulfill it, to strengthen it, to give it nourishment. Why? So what? We can produce fruit. God has given you a voice. And if you don't have a voice, maybe, maybe you literally don't, you can't speak, God will give you another way to speak his word. But most of you who are here actually can make audible sounds come out of your mouth. And when you put your faith in God and you, you take the word of God and you verbalize it through, through, through how you speak, through how you pray, and through what you declare over your life, that actually is like scattering seed all over your life. So some of you, I want to just challenge you when you go this week, like to to just be more aggressive in sowing seed. Like just with your voice and with your obedience, just simple obedience produces a harvest. Did you know that? Like if you rightly appropriate your time, don't think of this as some guilt thing. That's what the enemy wants us to be. The enemy wants you to think, I got to do this so I earn God's favor. It's not about earning. You already have God's favor. It's because you have God's favor, you're set free from fear. And so you walk and you say, okay, if I, if I till the soil of my time this way and I, and I use my talents and I work the ground this way and I sow my treasure into the ground, it will produce a harvest. Listen, God does not, like, like let me go back to the tithe. I, this is such a hard thing for so many people because you think God is trying to take something from you. He's not. He does not want something from you. He has something for you. And that's that's why it takes faith. That's why it takes faith. And that's why it's evidential. And you just can't cheat it. Just the same way that if you don't sow the seed in the ground, it will not produce a crop. If you don't sow seeds of faith, you will not see. And you'll be left sitting holding the box saying, that's not what I thought it promised. And God's saying, open the box and exercise your faith and watch. Watch. That's the gift to all of us as believers. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to be done in a second. What could we see spring up all around us if we just started in faith planting seed, like real kingdom seed, like being obedient, doing what God says to do, repenting of things he says not to do, being giving him the first of your time, first of your talent, first of your treasure, you will reap a harvest, that's the promise. like, Like, let me start with why. Before I get into what you wanna do, here's why you do these things. Because it's going to bless you. In Psalm 1, what's it say? Blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Law does not sound like fun to meditate on. In fact, before I became a preacher and went on that track, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And then I opened law books and said, that's boring. And I moved on. <laughs> Law's boring. And so, and like, 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 but it's saying, why is he meditating on it? Why can't he get his mind off of it? Because he knows if I do these things, God's going to bless me. God wants to bless you. So you need to sow seed. Number three, write this down. I'm gonna be done in three minutes, I promise. Maybe five. Uh, you, need, you, need, you need to grow seed. You need to grow seed. And I'll just speak to this really quickly because Del did a better job at this last week. But let me just say this. You have to let the soil do its work. And a lot of people have sowed seed and then walked away before they reaped the harvest. And there actually is a season there. That's why Jesus says, look what he says in Mark 4. Let's bring that up one more time. It says, the kingdom is like a man who should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. So so it's a picture of him tending. And the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself. So there's something that God does in his time that you have got to Understand that's where the fight is of faith. That when you have sown the seed and the seed is in the ground, you just the same way that some of you who planted your gardens this spring, you don't know what day the cucumbers are going to come out, you don't know what day the tomatoes are going to sprout. You just know that if given the time at the right time, I'm going to see the fruit. The same is true. The same God who created nature created spiritual things. And if you want to see the fruit, you've got to wait and let it take its course. That's what Galatians 6 is all about. Look what it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whoever whatever one sows, he will also reap for the one who sows to his flesh will reap in the flesh. The one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. So keep working it. Keep covering the soil. Keep tending to it. Keep the birds from it. Keep things from coming in and taking away your faith. You tend to it. Let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up your day is coming your day is coming it might be on the other side of your of eternity who knows but all i know is this god's word always comes true do you have the faith for the soil to do its work here's my simple question today what are you sowing maybe a better question is look at your life what are you reaping right now are you reaping peace are you reaping joy are you reaping love gentleness, self-control, kindness, perseverance. Are you reaping those things that you wish you could buy from other people or other things? If you're not reaping them, you aren't sowing them. Here's the good news. This is, a, this is an encouraging message. Nobody leave here hanging your head. You've got an opportunity to change your life. It's not too late to turn things around. Jesus has already bought you for a price and he's given you infinite seed. He will Supply the seed, you have to sow it, and it is your right as a son and daughter to go out into your life and sow kingdom seed and fully expect a harvest. That's some good news. At all of our locations, I want you to stand to your feet. I felt the Lord ask me something, ask me to do something before we're done. East, west, just stand to your feet. I just want you to posture yourself to receive. I felt the Lord say, Okay, son, you're going to start. You're the pastor. You're gonna sow some seed in your people. And so I'm gonna sow some seed into you and I'm gonna scatter some seed. And what you need to do is just receive it by saying, amen. Amen says, amen means let it be unto me. That's what amen means. So amen, when you say amen, you're opening the soil of your heart and saying, yes, Lord, I received that. The seed is planted and I'm gonna walk it out in faith. So I wanna speak some declarations over you based on the word of God. So you can you can close your eyes, you can keep them open, you can raise your hands, you can put them out like this. You know what? To the measure of your faith, you will reap a harvest. So, so just receive this and I, I, I just sought the Lord on a few things that I felt like he wanted me to just to, to release into you today at all of our locations. So let me just say this and you can just receive it. First, about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit as our gift and our birthright. So I wanna decree a blessing over you right now in Jesus' name that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You will be activated in the gifts of the Spirit. You will not be passive. You will see the evidence of the Spirit as you live your life, and you will be a person who shifts spiritual atmospheres wherever you go by his presence in Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. Over your family right now, God is a God of family. He is a God of family. And so right now, I want to declare a blessing over all your families, over your relationships, beginning in your family, that God would bless your marriage in Jesus' name. He's a God of marriage, so I declare marital blessings, new seasons of marital intimacy in Jesus' name, uh, to dry bones in old marriages. I speak to them and say, come alive in Jesus' name. We want to, I declare right now in Jesus' name, fruitfulness, uh, actual human reproductive fruitfulness for every closed womb, I'm declaring it open in Jesus' name. We just declare right now, God, you are a God of life. And so for every couple right now who are struggling. Lord, we just declare, we declare in this place the promise of God that we will be fruitful and multiply in Jesus' name. Father, we just, over every household, we declare right now that our children and our children's children and our children's children's children will grow up to know the name of the Lord Jesus. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you receive it, say amen. I want to speak about prosperity. I declare a blessing over your finances in Jesus' name that God will break the spirit of poverty off of you and that you will prosper financially even, that you will lack nothing, that God would bless you with the power to gain wealth and that you would advance his kingdom with your faithfulness and generosity as you put him first. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, shout amen. I want to declare over victory, I want to declare victory over sin and addictions right now. The Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Freedom is your birthright. So I want to declare right now an end to habitual generational sins, that every curse of addiction, of alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sex abuse, sex addiction, material addiction, is broken in the mighty name of Jesus right now. This is a new season we declare right now where the grace of Jesus uproots broken foundations in you and that old struggles begin to wither up in Jesus' name. If you receive it, shout amen. Your destiny, I want to declare in this place and at all of our locations right now that every weapon turned against you will not prosper. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn to good. That he who is for you and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That you will see God's goodness in the land of the living. That you will come to experience the fruitfulness of being a child of God. That you will walk in so much power and so much blessing that your life will be a testimony to the goodness and power of the risen Jesus. If you believe it and you receive it, shout amen. I declare right now, talking about faithfulness, I declare new levels of faith in this season that you and I will be able to like never before to fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen because what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal and you are convinced in this season that what is seen is greater, is lesser than what is unseen and that your devotion to what is unseen is planting seeds of faith that will reap a harvest in your life that far outweighs ways, these light momentary afflictions in the fight of our lives, and I speak faith over you right now in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I declare this is done. The seed is in the ground. The seed is in the ground in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. amen. We receive it, Lord. Let's give God a shout of praise.